Hi, friend. My name is Amy Joy, and this is the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. I recently went back through the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, and there was a specific passage that jumped out at me. So one of the things that I have considered for years is what does it look like to take on the mindset of an enslaved people? And this first came to my attention a couple decades back. I was interested in inner city ministry and went through a season where I read a lot of books around the topic. I volunteered in inner city Denver for a while. And one of the most surprising things for me was that if you have been in an impoverished state for a long time where you've needed other people to provide for you, it becomes very difficult to make a decision. And there was a pastor out of Chicago who said, I want my congregation to start learning to make decisions. And they needed to paint their sanctuary, of all things. And so he said, rather than me just directing the color choice, I'm going to open it up to the congregation and we're going to make a decision. And it took them a year. And I, I think about this because for me, who has not really struggled much with being uh, underprivileged or in any way uh, suppressed or oppressed, that is kind of befuddling. Like, I don't even understand how that could take that long. And I wouldn't have hung in there for it, quite frankly. It's like, no, this is not a good use of my time or my life. And yet for him, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that was what that congregation needed. And so I think I don't have a great sense of what it looks like to take on an unhealthy mindset. Although having said that, there was a season where my family had a foster daughter and I, I spent some time researching that as well. And one of the common things, it doesn't happen in every home, but it does happen often, is that the new foster children or the adopted children come with food issues and they think, I need to make sure that I'm going to have enough to eat. And so I'm going to carry uh, part of my dinner up to my room in my napkin secretly, or I'm going to make sure I just always have some energy bars in my backpack. Or there's this level of lack of trust and a need to rely on oneself. So I say all of that because <laughs> during Moses's time, leading the children of Israel in the desert. At one point, they got hungry, right? And they said, we need food. Give us food. And so he said, okay, manna's going to fall from heaven. You're supposed to gather it up, but only gather enough for one day because there's going to be more tomorrow. And so what the scripture says is that a lot of the people gathered, or they all, they all went out and gathered because they were hungry. But the next day, some of them had gathered too much. Like they had they had some left over. And by the second morning, it had rotted and had maggots in it. And it says that the Lord was angry. Like, how long are these people going to be this rebellious to me? But in reading that, I think, oh, no, they they were just in a place of oppression. They had that mindset that said, I don't know who's going to take care of me. I don't know where my food is going to come from tomorrow. So I need to be the one to take care of myself. And so you can kind of get like, of course, God would be angry about that because he's like, don't you understand? I'm your loving parent. And the children of Israel are like, don't you understand? We've been enslaved for generations and we haven't had anybody to rely on. That's We've been oppressed. Mm. So 
Time goes by a couple days later. The Lord is like, okay, it's going to be the Sabbath. People need to gather enough for two days. And uh, tomorrow, because it's the Sabbath, no manna is going to fall. And you do kind of wonder a little bit about the Israelites. I'm I'm not going to lie. Because you think, okay, you saw the 10 plagues in Egypt. That was pretty dramatic. You saw the Red Sea part and you walked through. You saw all the Egyptians killed. You've seen manna falling from heaven for several days now. Do you really not think that the Lord can count to seven? Like, okay, let's see. Manna fell for six days, but maybe tomorrow it should fall too. I don't know. I lost count. I mean, this is like such a bizarre. um, this, This part of the story to me is a little bit more bizarre. Because you have people who didn't gather enough for two days. And then they went out and they're like, oh no, there's no manna today. I'm so hungry. And that really did not make the Lord happy. Like these people are so rebellious. How long will it take for them to learn to obey me? And, you know, even with that... Okay, years ago, I read a really fascinating book. Oh, I don't remember now if it was Emancipating Slaves and Slaving Free Men, but it might have been. And it treated the uh, American Civil War from a really interesting economics perspective. And one of the things that it said was that we don't recognize today the, the how someone who is enslaved is not giving their all for their overlord, which I'm sure he said it much more graciously than that. But even if we take it from the communist party, if you're not going to see the rewards of your labors, you're not going to work very hard. (laughs) And so there's kind of like a mass slowdown effect that happens naturally. Because if there's no opportunity for advancement, no opportunity like, hey, if I work 50 hours, I'm going to get paid for 50. Unlike everybody else. You know, like if you don't have a visible reward for what you do, yeah, why would you bother to put yourself out? And so when you think about it here, you can imagine all these children of Israel who, sure, they had quotas, but the reality is if they were building their own houses, do you think they could have met their quotas pretty easily? I suspect probably so. And so this is just my, my, I guess, continued processing about human nature and maybe what I would do. And so if you think about it, here are all of these people and they're like, I am going to do the bare minimum and I am going to be at least a little bit surly with my overlords to the extent that I can without dying. There's, it's, I'm not going to say it's a level of sneakiness, but it's a level of just why make the effort since I'm not also going to get the reward. And so interesting then to have the children of Israel who were then supposed to gather in a double amount and they just chose not to. And instead of saying like, no, the Lord is on our side. When he gives an instruction, there's also a reward that follows. He's a good God. Instead, it was like, no, we're treating you, God, like another Egyptian overlord who's there not for our best interest and who gives us no rewards. And so while the first one is a little bit of an indictment against just their their history. I think the second one is more of an indictment against their idea of who God is. And so that would make sense that God would be like, well, how long are you going to be this rebellious? Oh, and so Lord, as I was just struck so deeply with these stories or this kind of two-part story about the children of Israel and how, oh, they were just rebellious and they weren't 
listening to you or believing you. They didn't trust your character because they didn't know you. Lord, you give us the opportunity to know you and trust you. So, Lord, I pray that in any place where we might be feeling uh, unprotected or for any place where we might be feeling rebellious or not trusting your character, Lord, I pray that you would give us more clarity, that we would see more clearly who you are. Lord, I'm asking that you would be pouring out your spirit on us, that we would be walking according to your ways. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.